Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your, I guess the Ricketts family will have to just focus on the baseball team they own home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs and hopefully some W's that will actually count over at Bleed Cubby Blue. And I'm thrilled to be joined by co-host Danny Rocket. Danny, how's your Sunday going? Oh, well, I'm sitting here, got a little spring training game action going on on the iPad here. Uh, just We just watched uh, Ed Howard spank a double, oppo down the line. That's nice to see. But for the most part, the Cubs have been getting their butts kicked all weekend. Uh, they tied yesterday, which is, uh, I guess, better than losing. So, yeah, there's been a nice weekend. There's been a lot of ties. There's been a lot of runs scored by other teams. Uh, we're going to get into all of that, but I agree with you. That little piece of hitting by Ed Howard was quite good. I don't suppose he'll be ready to play shortstop for the Chicago Cubs in 2022, though. So we're going to have to make do with the shortstops we have. But before we do that, I want to start with some meta news that is important to the Cubs world that doesn't come from the land of baseball. And that is... Did you catch any of this no to Ricketts campaign that trended on social? Like that was a very effective social media campaign. And I would like the English Premier League folk to teach us how to use social media to stop bad ownership from being a part of teams. Because I feel like they did something we are not able to do. I wish we were better at it. Yeah, we don't really get a say in the matter. And I guess the... The <laughs> Papa Joe's old emails kind of came up again, and the whole family were sitting there with uh, egg on their face to, due to racism. And uh, it, I mean, very that was public. I believe it was leaked by a grandson or something like that. I forget the exact story. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess in order to own one of those teams, you have to not be from a family that's that made their money. Um, or, or not, I guess you can make your money how you want, but you can't be a jerk and have a lot of money and you can't have said racist things and, um, be allowed to be in that league, I guess. Yeah. To be clear. I mean, the team was owned by a Russian oligarch who also kind of sucks. So it's not like only good people own English premier league teams, but there is a process where the fans get to say there's something called like the Chelsea trust or something. I'm messing all of this up. Cause I'm not, I don't cover soccer in the slightest at all. But the point is they tried to buy the team. They tried to apologize for the old emails. The fans were basically like not a chance. No. And the Ricketts will have to look for some other football club if they want to expand their sports and real estate empire, which incidentally, you would think they could just focus on the baseball team that they own. 
Uh, Forbes released their team valuations the other day, and the Cubs have grown to a valuation of $3.8 billion with a B dollars, which means that the Ricketts family, who bought the Cubs for $845 million, have made like $3 billion off of this investment. And can't they just be happy with the Cubs and investing in Wrigley Field? <laughs> well, I just don't want to hear about it when they say that owning a baseball team is not a profitable enterprise. And remember what they were saying about how uh, it would have been better to put your money in the stock market. Right. Yeah. I'm like, well, maybe if you bought at the bottom of 2008, you know, and, you know, and then had a skyrocketing and bought Amazon or something, maybe, but I don't want to hear about when you tell me that it's not profitable because if it's not profitable, why are you trying to buy another one? Totally. It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, and they, they do cry poor. I mean, that's, that's the biblical losses it's it, it, even before that. Oh, well, you know, base, they're always saying, oh, well, baseball is not as profitable as you think, you know, and I'm like, well, obviously it is because you just quadrupled your money. And on top of it, uh, you can now leverage the Chicago Cubs, which they're doing. They're going to leverage owning that team to get another team. And they might have just been looking for the, you know, this is an opportunity that probably doesn't come around too much. But it must be quite profitable to own a team. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to have pocket change where you can just be like, Oh yes, I will go and I will go buy a $3 billion sports franchise so that I can quadruple that to $12 billion. I mean, these are the types of investments that only a handful of people in the world can even consider putting together a group of people to, to make the purchase. So, you know, I'm just not feeling bad for the Ricketts family and their financial woes at all. And I don't want to hear any of it, uh, as we like tick tock closer to opening day and there are still no rumors of a Wilson Contreras extension, which in my opinion is criminal malpractice at this point in terms of owning a baseball team and not extending your all-star franchise playing catcher who has been in your organization since he was 16 years old. Offer the man an extension along the lines of the Salvador Perez deal. This is pathetic. Yeah. Well, you've been beating the the desk on it and it's not going to happen. I mean, I am just, I would be shocked at this, this point if they did sign him because I, I don't think they like him. I really don't think they like his style of play. I agree. And, and it kills me to say that. I think that they didn't like when he, he called out um, the lack of hustle last year. I think that really uh, pissed David Ross off specifically. He, I, it, he wasn't about it. And so I think he's gone. Um, you know, David Ross got the extension. David Ross is going to get his catcher. David Ross is a catcher. I mean, maybe David Ross, player manager, bring him back out there. He's going to, I wonder if, how much pop he's still got in the bat. He'd never had much anyway, but, um, but Approximately yeah. Approximately one-tenth of the pop of a Wilson Contreras. <laughs> oh yeah, I, definitely. Well, I mean, but he's, he's just gone. I just don't think they like him. And so they're going to get what they want. They're, they're going to get a, Paul, in fact, if they're going to trade him, which I know kills you, and it is stupid in my estimation, but if they're going to trade him, I hope they do it sooner than later because maybe you get more for him now than you do in, at the trade deadline, you know? Totally. So, I mean, I, I have a year of him. I have reconciled myself to the fact that the Cubs are going to trade my favorite player over peanuts like over there's no other comparable player out there that they can go get 
unless they do some weird contract swap with the Padres where they wind up getting Luis Camposano in the system. I just don't see how this works out for the Cubs at all. It is going to be multiple years before they have a catching prospect, even in the conversation, who might be half as good as Wilson Contreras. And we are all just going to have to live with this and it is going to kill me. I just hope he doesn't wind up with the Cardinals or the Yankees because under no circumstances can I cheer for the Cardinals or the Yankees. And, and I intend on cheering for Wilson Contreras over the Cubs whenever they're in conflict. Like I will still be a Cubs fan. I'm not quitting on the Cubs or anything over this, but if Wilson Contreras gets traded to, I don't know, like the Giants or something and the Giants are playing the Cubs, I will be cheering for Wilson Contreras and the Giants against the Cubs. And I'll be cheering for the Cubs every other day. So I just, I, I think this is pathetic. I think it is ridiculous. I also think that this haggling at arbitration over like $1.25 million over somebody who has done nothing but awesome things for your franchise is gross and ridiculous. And the only reason that it's not the grossest thing to happen in MLB with arbitration is because the White Sox are going to arbitration with Lucas Giolito over like $50,000, which is embarrassing. (laughs) It's embarrassing. I I don't think they like him either. I don't think the White Sox. I, I, God, I, didn't, he, didn't he do something and call out some people? I probably just was awesome. Probably was just. I think he called out Larusa at some point. Yeah, Lucas Giolito and Wilson Contreras might be my favorite battery in baseball if they could make that happen <laughs> somehow. <laughs> that would be well, great. <laughs> well, the thing that's the real head scratcher about the Wilson is like, so what are you gonna do? You're gonna you got a Maya on the shelf. He was supposed to be the next guy up. So. Uh, you got a Maya on the shelf, and so uh, you're going to need somebody else because not even going to be him next year. He's got Jan Gomes. Like two, well, I guess, but I mean, for how long? I mean, and who's the backup to him? You know, I mean, it, I, it's not pretty. So next year, though, when you need to maybe think about signing a, a new catcher, Wilson Contreras is one of the youngest available catchers out there still. 31 and a half years old. And, um, you know, he's down there with like Gary Sanchez is another one. Um, that's, uh, it would, is a free agent, Tony Wolters, Austin Hedges. Those are the four youngest catchers <laughs> on the, and, you know, who do you want of those four? Cause then you, they start getting old. Right. Then we're getting into Tucker Barnhart's and, uh, you know, it, it's not bad to have an ex- experience back there, but, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, there's very few like Yadier Molinas who is going to play till he's 50. So talk about your player manager. Honestly, like the next Yadier Molina is probably a Salvador Perez or a Wilson Contreras. So anyway, I'll, I'll get yeah. off of this high horse. I, I, I just it is the most frustrating thing. It's going to be frustrating until they trade him, which I think isn't until I don't think it's a if I think that if you know the lack of extension talks tells you everything that you need to know and frankly i think that the cubs are wrong on this one but speaking of other things uh that are going on in mlb that make me kind of cranky mlb in all of their wisdom has decided that the ghost runner is coming back because you know what we all needed was manfred man in extra innings i hate this danny i hate that why change the rules of the game once to decide the game that has not yet been decided by regular baseball. Just call it a tie. Yeah. I mean, it, it's 100, 125 years or 45 years of of baseball played with extra innings, and now they're just going to get rid of it. It just 
because now it's going to be gone forever. Real extra innings and this Ghost Runner stuff is going to be if they just do it for the hell of it this year. And because why? What's what's their even purpose of doing it? This clown ball way of doing it. Did they say they're trying to shorten games is what they're trying to do. They are concerned that the short spring training increases the risk of injuries. That is their justification for doing it this year and not in some other year. Well, they know they like, they just like it because here's the thing. If you could uh, make as much money playing your game and just, and work less hours, you know, if you could make more, the same amount of money, but in less time, that's what you want out of really any job that you have. And so that's what they want. Like, I think the managers, they were like, actually, and you know who else likes it? The sports writers. You know that uh, the leader of our website, Bleed Cubby Blue, Al, is probably a fan of the rule. He's like, I'm sitting out here in the, in the bleachers. I got, I, you know, he doesn't mind when it ends and it's not midnight when he's writing his game recap. You know, the writers all like it. So it's just like, now, hold on. I, I got to stand up for Al here for one second because Al, like I, I know he doesn't like it. I've talked oh, okay. to him about it. And and his subhead for the Ghost Runner announcement, I'm just going to read this straight from the site, is okay. the extra inning runner, unfortunately, is back. Al is not a fan of huh. the Ghost Runner. Well, he's traditionalist, too. So, yes. But it's it's like, I, but I know a lot of people who do work for major papers have said, you know, I didn't like it when they came out with it but then when i saw it and i got to go home at 10 30 instead of 2 30 sure then i i kind of was like huh not a bad rule and you know we've been at those games out at wrigley field till the 16th inning and it's like cold and you're just hoping they you know they at some point you don't even care who wins you just want it to be over because you've stuck it out this long um so, but it's not baseball. Those games are much more enjoyable in July when it is 75 degrees at one o'clock in the morning than they are in April when it is 30 degrees and you're just like, yeah. okay, somebody score. Well, and the biggest problem with this rule, and I got to give it to uh, Michael Cotton, my co-host on the Sun Ranto show, because he really was the one that banged the drum on this one, is that although both teams get the ghost runner it in some ways takes away your home field advantage um because basically you now the away team is going to have the options the 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 odds that that runner score are high well yes like starting any any situation where you have a runner on second with no outs is a high scoring probability situation and when you give that situation structurally to the visiting team first the odds are they will take a lead which will then put pressure on the home team that did not exist to the away team when they got that situation I mean that is that is admittedly a little bit of like anecdata combined with actual math but I think that's why people feel like it structurally disadvantages the home team yeah, I, th- I think it does. And then the because you're going to use your pitchers maybe differently based upon what happens in the top of that inning. It gives all the options to the away team. Well, beyond that, I feel like pitchers, the relief pitchers in particular, 
are such creatures of coming in with a clean inning is so much easier than coming in with runners on. So to force some of your best relievers to come in in suboptimal situations that they do everything in their power to avoid just really grates on me. And and the last thing I'll say here, because, you know, I mean, it is what it is. We can't change it. I wish they would do it in like the 12th inning if they insisted on doing it instead of the 10th. I wish they would just like let games end in ties and then you can figure it out at the end of the season. If you have to come up with some sort of way to put ties into your system for the standings at the end of the season, most likely be okay. But statistically, that earned run is just not the same as any other run (laughs) that happens in baseball. And it drives me bananas as a stats person that those exist. Yeah, well, it doesn't count as an earned run, but it counts as a run, right? It doesn't get charged to the pitcher. Right, but then the next guy... (laughs) Anyway, I I just feel like the idea that there could be a run before anything has happened in the inning, I don't know. I I hate it. I, I don't like it. It doesn't work with the rules of the game as they fit yeah. in my head. As my not brother a- says, who is my brother is not a stats person at all. The first time he saw this, he was so furious. He was just like, this is not real baseball. What is this? This is T-ball. Like play real baseball. And I think play real baseball is where my heart is at too. Yeah. And the other thing they want to do is save the bullpen arms and not have to, to use a whole bullpen up on in a 16 inning game and then they're you're playing catch up for the rest of that week. But yeah, but guess what? That's real baseball. So now they're giving them 28 man roster, at least for a month. So now they could just have, I mean, they, they can only option a guy five times uh, up and down. That's still a lot of times to be able to option somebody for the Iowa shuttle. So you're always getting these fresh arms. They're just trying to, really kind of, I don't know, smooth out a lot of the edges. They're not letting them bat anymore, you know, so that you won't be having to make those decisions in extra innings. Uh, so it's just <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I liked about the strategy and the weirdness of baseball is going away. We'll never have another John Baker game where the, you know, backup catcher pitches in the 16th inning and then scores and, and pitches a scoreless frame and then comes to the uh, plate, draws a walk, ends up scoring on a sack fly to win the game. You're never going to have that weird thing happen. And I know that a lot of you know casual baseball fans don't care, but why are you going to alienate the people like us that really love it and change everything that we I mean, it's not like I love games like that, but I kind of love games like that. I love being at games like that. I love saying I was at this game that went 18 innings and I stuck it out and I saw the walk off and, you know, like I love that. I remember when they were first proposing these rules before they had adopted them. I wrote a piece over at BCB. I think it was like 10 games that Rob Manfred wishes never happened. And I went through the recaps. The John Baker game was one of them, but they're just recaps of these epic finishes to games and think quirky things that have happened at Wrigley Field or with Cubs games that you would never see now because of the Manfred man. And I just, I think those games have value. I think they're fun. I think being able to say you were at those games is fun. An ex of mine used to say that the reason baseball is the best sport is because you go to a baseball game And you can usually see something that you've never seen before if you just know where to look for it. There's always something happening at a baseball game that is unique and new and 
Maybe it's an individual player's 2000th strikeout, or maybe it's some quirky double play that hasn't happened in 10 years or something. Something happens and it's new and it's interesting. And I feel like all of these rules try to eliminate the new interesting things that could happen. And I hate that. Yeah, well, and then they wonder why people aren't interested in baseball. Well, they got rid of all the interesting things. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Speaking of interesting things, uh, Trevor Story, who was the last, you know, high tier shortstop available, went to the Red Sox. And I I find it particularly amusing that the Red Sox now have two shortstops and the Yankees are going to start Isaiah Kiner-Falefa at shortstop. Um, But yes, Cubs fans, that means our shortstop options truly are Andrelton Simmons, Jonathan Villar, and Nico Horner. And I just have to say, Andrelton Simmons has played in one spring training game, as far as I can tell, and he is already listed as day-to-day with a shoulder injury on fan graphs. So I, this this could go real poorly, Danny. Yeah. I mean, I think I said on this show that he was kind of battling an ankle thing before, but now it's a shoulder, eh? So, I mean, he's on the wrong side of 30, and, you know, he's listed as day-to-day, and I kind of made the joke before the show to you that after 30 – we're all a little day to day about a lot of things. So it's like, you know how it goes. You just don't heal as fast and stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, I mean, no one's excited about our shortstop situation. Jonathan VR, the, he doesn't have a hit yet, um, in spring training, but he only has three at bats, but, um, uh, I'm not excited about that either, you know, and VR is more of a utility guy. He's not real. Like he's not as good of a, He's fast. <laughs> I mean, he used to be anyway. He's only th- he's 30. He's still you know. theoretically fast. I mean, I just I look at this and it's so hard for my heart to remember Javier Baez out there making plays and getting stuff done and hitting long balls. And now it's like, hmm, maybe if Andrelton Simmons isn't hurt, he'll play or maybe Nico Horner will be out there. You know, I get it's a spring training game and we don't want any guys out there trying to hurt themselves in spring training and not being available for the season. But there were multiple seeing eye singles in this game where the Royals are kind of beating up on the Cubs in Mesa on Sunday. And I'm just like, those, those are singles that should be outs if you have a better defensive shortstop there. And I am nervous that that is going to be a thing that we see a lot of at Wrigley Field this year because the Cubs have a very contact-oriented pitching staff. Yeah. Yeah, and a contact-oriented uh, uh, batting lineup as well. <laughs> it's like, they, because Nico Horner, Andrelton Simmons, Jonathan Villar, those are all guys that are hit a, hit a single and then somebody else has to, or take a walk. I mean, that's the only way they're getting on base. They don't slug a lot. And so, uh, yeah, they're they're going to be um, allowing defensively what they can also uh, uh, what they're only capable of also doing with a bat. So it's like it's, meta it's, baseball over here. Like we've got a lot of contact guys and a lot of guys who have the defensive prowess to give up some contact. Some it's contact, kind of meta yeah. over there. Yeah, and so it's the it's going to be these it, you want games to be short. It's just going to be station station singles all game, 5 hours of singles. You're like, "Yeah, we got we don't have extra innings, but we did have 5 hours of singles and it took 9 innings." There'll be a um, lot of action on those base pass. I mean, this is probably why 
The Fangraphs projections do not like the Cubs very much at all. The F4 projections, except for catcher and a couple of places on the diamond, are, are pretty yikes. Uh, they project all of the Cubs hitters for 20.3 war over the course of the season. They project the Cubs pitchers for 10.2 war. The whole team averages out to like 30.4 war after you do some rounding. That is good for number 23 in Major League Baseball. And the only good news here is that two of the seven teams lower than the Cubs are the Reds and the Pirates. So we've still got a shot at taking third in the division. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> uh, well, I mean, don't they have another wild card team now too? Maybe we could sneak into that with a 500. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not looking good. I mean, I, I'm just trying to enjoy the fact that baseball's on and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, who cares about the score? Come. Don't look I at mean, the score. Yeah, I mean, well, now it's ten to seven, so we, we the kids are in there. They're making some noise, scoring some runs. But um, yeah, it's if you look at it, I mean, Patrick Wisdom hit two home runs today of two different varieties. One was a line drive, and the other was a big fly, monster but, fly, yeah. like back yeah. of the berm. Oh my god, one of those home runs that makes you go what? <laughs> I think him and Wilson Contreras might be the only people capable of hitting 30 home runs on the Chicago Cubs. At the Maybe Frank Schwindel. Maybe. He if, hit 14 in like 250 plate appearances last year. And, and mathematically, that should work out to close to 30. But I, I know that's not really his game. I'm just saying it's, he has a shot. Right. Yeah, he has a shot. So Hap maybe could, but you have a few like tw- guys that can hit. Frazier? 20. Could Frazier hit? No, maybe 20 closer. I don't know. Frazier's looking good. Okay, we're going to get to Frazier in the second yeah. half. Before we get to Frazier and before we get to the break, we need to bid adieu to Harold Ramirez, who never played a spring training anything with the Cubs because uh, he had some visa issues coming back over in time for spring training. But he has already been traded. Uh, Harold Ramirez is going to play his season in Tampa Bay and for starters you should never trade with the Rays because the Rays always get the better end of value in trades it feels like like I would not personally (laughs) want to do a deal with the Tampa Bay Rays but the Cubs are getting back Esteban Caruz who is a 30 year old DH as far as I can tell I I think the Cubs traded for your mean Mercedes and I you know he doesn't even have the defensive of like I don't know I this guy's gonna hang out in AAA unless there's an injury and maybe he can do have some loud at bats at Wrigley if there's an injury is what I see here well, I guess he can hit. It's Brett Taylor of Bleacher Nation called him extremely interesting in the fact in that he's 30 years old, like everybody else on the team. And uh, he's 5'6", 200. He, yeah, that's true. He is he's like a little like fire hydrant dude. I'm telling you, you're mean Mercedes. Yeah, so he's a little tank. And I don't know what, what's going to happen here, but in the Mexican League and in the upper minors last year, Two, he, th- this is a slash line, a 268, 401, 526. So he's, he's hit and he's, and he's slugged and, um, and, and he that's cannot a, play defense at all. Yeah. I mean, even if he's a butcher <laughs> out there, I mean, it, I mean, it's not what we need with all our ground ball pitchers. So it's like, but I, I mean, I don't understand this except for that. We talked on the, was it last week's show or the week before about how the outfield's so crowded? Well, now Harold Ramirez is not part of that plan. Cause it got, it's getting, a, I mean, it's not, I mean, yeah, it's crowded. I mean, people are even wondering like what to do with Jay Hay now, if it's like really not working out again. 
Well, we're going to talk about that and more on the flip side. But first, we need to take a quick break for our sponsors. All right, we are back. Let's start with the crowded outfield and what is going to happen with Jason Hayward. I mean, look, Danny, we talked about this last week, and I think it was sort of a preview of things to come even before the Harold Ramirez move. That outfield has a lot of guys who deserve a shot to play every day, and I'm not entirely sure Jason Hayward is still that guy. I think he might be a late defensive replacement, and I think we might have to be okay with that. And it pains me because I know he's a leader in the clubhouse. I know he's a good guy. I want nothing but great things for Jason Hayward. But Ian Happ, Clint Frazier, Raphael Ortega, all of these guys seem like they have a – Seiya Suzuki, I forgot the Cubs – Biggest yeah. signing of the offseason. Yeah. All of these guys need regular at-bats. Yeah, and, you know, you got Michael Amosio with his Little League home run the other day. He's a lot of fun to watch, and I think he's a good team guy. Isn't he from the area? He's from Illinois. He is, um, yeah. And he might get DFA'd. He's out of options. Yeah, so that's just kind of diff- – I mean, you kind of want him to make the team. and uh, But if you're looking at him, how many outfielders do you need? Because you already have five second basemen. Now, the nice, the nice thing is that with the 28-man roster, now this is supposed to be about pitchers, but – and you like you said, you want to get these guys at bats. You don't want to break camp with Jason Hayward, and I guess what is he just like uh, – a, can he just be kind of a coach? <laughs> you know, I guess for a while, for a month, and you see how it, it happens. Maybe you don't make that decision until you have to have to. But yeah, Clint Frazier, Ortega, just because he bats with his uh, left-handed and you're really lacking from that side, um, they've had him facing a lot of righties uh, over spring training. I just probably to see what he could do. I mean, sorry, facing a lot of lefties, I guess, to see what he can do from the left side against lefties because he hits righties a lot better like most lefties do. Um, but yeah, I mean, Frazier, Hap, Hermosillo, Hayward, Ortega, Seiya Suzuki, that's six. You're definitely cutting one of them. Yeah, the um, the splits for Ortega are are really striking. So last season uh, versus righties as a lefty, he had a WRC plus of 139. He was 39% better than league average at driving in runs and creating runs in situations where he had the chance to. Uh, against lefties, his WRC plus was 34. To put this in perspective, that is worse than the worst things we've seen from Ian Hap. That is like, take bad Hap and then multiply it by a factor of like <laughs> negative two, and then you get what Rafael Ortega did against righties. So I agree with you. I think they're trying to see if he can play every day or if he's going to be a strong side platoon guy. And frankly, he plays as a strong side platoon guy. Let him split some time out there, but he's certainly that 134 WRC plus is more interesting than what the Cubs have gotten from either side out of Jason Hayward in the last couple of seasons. Yeah. And I think that the, the defense is still there. You can play center field, but you're going to be running say Suzuki out there pretty much every day. Uh, you're going to be, I guess you're going to be running Ian Happ out there every day. Um, but it's kind of like you're, you're looking to get, I mean, Clint Frazier, I would like to see him have the opportunity to really prove himself because he was great for the Yankees until he had the concussion. I know we're going to talk about that in a little Let's bit. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. Okay. I mean, he was great for them, and he's been working through that. He had dizziness. 
He's I heard him interviewed a few times, actually. He's kind of doing the Clint Frazier tour right now. I'm telling everybody what's going on with him. But uh, it, it seems like he feels like he didn't really get a fair shake from the Yankees in some ways um, that there were a few like untruths about what was happening to him and what was happening to him is that he couldn't really crowd noise was making him dizzy because of the concussion and his brain needed to heal. And he's seeing a new doctor, I guess now where he's doing things like shaking his head back and forth and like getting up really fast and just doing things that, you know, you kind of can do without, um, you know, being it being debilitating. But if you if you can imagine being out there in a major league baseball game and all of a sudden you're like oh, having vertigo and you're standing in the outfield, like how much harder that makes it to play. And like, I really want him. I mean, I want it. I, I want him to be able to work through this because I think he's a number one pick. I agree with you. So Clint Frazier, I think, is a really intriguing option for the Cubs in the outfield. A couple of things about concussions. We're not very good on the science of what works to heal concussions yet. And we're certainly not very good at predicting how quickly somebody should come back from them. But by all accounts, it seems like the problems that Frazier was having with the Yankees stemmed from concussion related issues that they were not dealing with very well. Speaking of crowded outfields, I mean, it is really hard to earn your spot in an outfield where they're trying to get playing time for Giancarlo Stanton and for Joey Gallo and for who Aaron Judge and like all of the guys that the Yankees have been trying to run out there. So Frazier was fighting his way through a really crowded outfield in a condition where that was going to be difficult at the best of times with a concussion that had lingering effects. I, I highly recommend that everybody go check out the NBC Sports interview with Frazier about where he's at with those concussion symptoms because it's it's super illuminating. It gives you an idea of why he really could be a fundamentally different player for the Cubs. But beyond that, I think we're seeing him be a different player with our own eyes in spring training. I mean, he looks legit and he can the guy can hit and the guy can field. And I am excited about Clint Frazier in the outfield. Yeah, and he's only 27, so you're kind of hitting what should be his peak years. So far, it's it's probably, I mean, it's been a disappointment. His career, I think, had a lot more hope and promise than we've seen. And there's been glimpses of it, like in 2020, he played in 39 of the 60 games, ended up with a 905 OPS that year. Um, and then in 2019, he had an 806 OPS. And so... He has shown glimpses of it, but he's never gone above 225 at-bats in a year, and it's because he hasn't been able to stay healthy, and I think the the concussion is the now has been the thing that's been holding them back. But, yeah, he's what is he batting right now? Uh, he's got four hits, spring training out of 12 at-bats, scored a run. Um, I mean, he's nine, hitting 300. Four out of 12 is 300, but... Yeah, 333. Yeah, I was looking at the I was looking at um, the OPS leaders for the team, admittedly earlier today. So it doesn't include uh, anything that happened today, although I don't remember if Clint Frazier played today or not or not. It's hard to keep track of all the lineup changes in spring training games. I mean, right now, the, the Cubs minor leaguers have come back from down seven and they are 
beating the Royals minor leaguers. It's 11-10 Chicago. I mean, spring yeah, training is just wild. Are, but um, yeah, wild game. <laughs> Cliff, Cliff Frazier coming into today had an OPS of 946, which will play at any level. And he was uh, slashing 333, 529, 417. So I think that you would absolutely take those types of numbers from Frazier. I think he probably projects in the best case to be more of a 270 guy, but he can give you 20, 25 home runs. He's got plus defense in the outfield. And like you said, he's only 27 years old. There is a chance that he could have a career year here. And the Cubs really may have found a diamond in the rough. Yeah. And I think it could be one of those change of scene situations too. Where, where he's just uh, wanted to get out of New York. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I, I really do think that he, he sounded a little frustrated. On uh, it, it, He sounded like he's got a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. And uh, that could that could be good for the Cubs. I mean, I was going to say that'll play well in Wrigleyville. Chip on your shoulder. Don't like New York. Come to Chicago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to start trashing their pizza, although it's pretty good. <laughs> to be honest, it's New York pizza's fine. It's all fine. Oh, yeah. All Clint fine. Frazier, if you are listening, a Chicago pizza better than New York pizza tweet opening week at week will. I, that'll play well. That'll yeah. play well. <laughs> well, you already had that thing. They already hate him in New York because he asked for Mickey Mantle's numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you going to do? Like, I don't know. I grew up in Georgia. What do I know? <laughs> uh, speaking of some prospects who we are not going to see in Chicago anytime soon, and I'm kind of bummed about this because I talk to people all the time who ask me questions about, you know, when do I get to see Brennan Davis play in Chicago? Brennan Davis has been optioned to minor league camp along with Braylon Marquez. Neither of them will break camp with the Cubs. I, I think that most people who watch this team pretty consistently knew that was coming, but it was still kind of a bummer. There was there was the outside hope that maybe one of the young guys would would make it happen. I just really don't think we're going to see either of these guys in Chicago this season. Cause I don't think the Cubs are going to win enough games to justify starting their clock. And I think that is yeah. a bummer. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't really do the September call up thing as much anymore. No, the they? September roster rules got changed. So you can't bring up as many guys. And yeah, it, I just, the only people who are really bringing up their blue chip prospects in September are the teams in contention. Now, like you said, maybe the Cubs are, hanging out around 500 and trying to chase down that extra wild card slot. And maybe Brennan Davis comes up to help with that, but it just seems really unlikely to me. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing I wonder, let's say you get off to a hot start. Uh, everybody's kind of firing on all cylinders that, you know, it's a, it's a new kind of team with a, with kind of a, a, a new attitude. And then, yeah. And let's say, you know, the, Oh, look at the Cubs keep scoring. Oh my God. <laughs> it's this is a football score now it's like it's 13 to 10 um so but yeah like you said if they're in the hunt and brendan davis is down there hitting 400 you know yeah you gotta you it might force your hand but it yeah it is unlikely it really is and it's i don't know how i feel about this because i know they think they're so smart (laughs) they know how much many at-bats this guy needs and that guy needs and then there's juan soto who's like, can't even drink. And he's in the world series, like hitting bombs. And I'm like, how come, and I'm not comparing Juan Soto and Brendan Davis. They're completely different kind of players, but Brendan Davis is a hell of a good player too. He has the potential to be, I don't, I understand that he'll learn stuff and he'll keep working on things and he'll ride the bus. But you know, remember when Wilson Contreras, like was down and he hit like forced 30 home runs or yes. something like that in half a year. They're like, you forced them to bring you up because you're like, 
well, I want a guy that hits 30 home runs coming up here, you know, because you needed it at the time. But at that point, we were competing. Both of those guys are instructive in another way, which is they were called up by the necessity of injury for teams that were competing. And so in Contreras's case, I don't remember exactly how the injuries went down, but, uh, you know, at the time you had David Ross and then you had Miguel Montero and Montero got hurt or something and they didn't really think they could go to Ross every single day. So they brought up Wilson as a stopgap measure and Wilson showed up and was like, I am never going back to AAA. Thank you. I'm here now. Next. And that's pretty much what Juan Soto did as well. He was an injury call up. I remember listening to that from a fantasy baseball perspective, because a lot of fantasy people were like, oh, this is intriguing. 19 year old kid. We have no idea what could happen. And then Juan Soto just showed up and he was basically the second coming of Ted Williams and never going back to, I think Juan Soto came straight from double A. I don't even think the guy has any triple A at bats. I'd have to go double check that, but I don't think he ever played a game in triple A except for an injury rehab. And Juan Soto, this is a little bit of an aside, but I found a interview in Spanish earlier this week of Juan Soto talking about hitting and y'all need to go back and find this interview. It will blow your mind. He talks about taking it at bat against Max Freed and how the ball moves, how the same pitch moves differently depending on where it's located and how he how he can see that. And then he knows that the ball is going to be like moving in on him and he has to get his hands in the right place. And I'm just like, how can you possibly have all of this information in your head about every single pitcher in the national league? This is mind blowing. It's so good. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, sometimes the moment isn't everybody that knows quote unquote, and, and is so smart quote unquote is always like, no, you need to get the season at bats down there and stuff like that. And I just don't, I, I don't think you, that's always the case. I think for some guys it is. And we just, I, we've seen people come up and struggle for sure. But um, I don't know, maybe it, it, Brandon Davis seemed pretty comfortable in his skin. Yeah, and, I agree. I think Brennan Davis doesn't need that much time in the minors. No, I don't. I don't. And I understand that, like, the way the contracts work. But, I'm like, didn't we just have, like, a lockout about this? Yes. Where, where they're like, you're not allowed to, you know, the guy's hitting 400 down. In AAA, there must be – it's got to trigger something. It's like, okay. Well, you- no, yeah. I just am thinking about the Chris Bryant non-call-up. And Chris Bryant is currently going to play out the rest of his years in Colorado at Coors Field. And how much of that do you think is just frustration with all of the shenanigans he had to go through here in Chicago with you're not getting called up because of your defense and the super two rule. And like, now we're going to go to, now we're going to have a grievance with you and, Oh, we're going to have trade rumors about you every year. Part of me thinks that KB took that Colorado deal one because it was the most years he could get, but two he was just like, I'm just going to take my no trade clause and play somewhere and play some baseball. Done. Yeah. It Check. just looks like a nice place to raise my family. Yeah. It's probably what he, he thought. Cause he, yeah. And, that's the worrisome thing about the way that the Cubs have treated their stars. Because uh, Rizzo, he we needed some lefty pop. You know, he probably he definitely an upgrade from Schwindel or whatever. You know, I guess you go go with Rivas too. But um, it's like, you know, they needed that left-handed bat, and and they didn't. No, none of them wanted to come back. Not a single one because they were all felt like, and they all took less money. So they say to play somewhere else. And you got to wonder about free agents in general, looking at Chicago, we got say Suzuki, but he's coming from Japan. 
And so he doesn't really know what the other guys, they haven't been playing with these guys with major leaguers that are currently major leaguers say it signed with us, but like nobody else really is. And you wonder if like that's kind of going to hurt the organization. If they seem like people that aren't going to, I don't know, stand by their players or get a bad taste in their mouth about the organization thinking they're cheap or whatever it is. I mean, just something to consider. It's you're, you're hitting on something I've been thinking about and I haven't gotten to a place where I could write about it yet, but I saw a similar, I I had a similar feeling as I was reading Patrick Mooney's piece about how Wilson Contreras has been in the system since he was 16 and they haven't offered him an extension. And at the very end of that piece, you know, there's this line that says everybody understands that baseball is a business and sometimes it's all about marginal this, that, or the other thing. And I was like, it is not about marginal this, that, or the other thing to me, like the marginal difference, like the fact that it might be worth it to the Cubs to pay Jan Gomes slightly less than Wilson Contreras does not hit me where it where it helps as a fan, right? Like I emotionally do not comprehend that in the way that makes me want to cheer for the Cubs. But we already did the Wilson Contreras riff and we have some other riffs to do. Danny, I want to close out the podcast today talking about the projected starting rotation for the Chicago Cubs because what I thought might be okay a month ago has some injury problems today that make me a little bit concerned. Specifically, we know Albert Alzali is out for the first two months of the season with a lat tear. We also know that Wade Miley has not been throwing yet. He's actually scheduled for a bullpen today, and I don't know if that bullpen has already happened or how successful it was, which means that you're starting five pitchers for the Chicago Cubs at the moment are Kyle Hendricks, Marcus Stroman, Alec Mills, Drew Smiley, and maybe Justin Steele. I don't love this. Yeah, <laughs> I have yeah, some concerns. Yeah, and you're gonna that that back three is you know you go one you got the one two punch and then uh, not a lot of punch after that. But I mean I'm a bit of a fan of Justin Steele. I I think that he could maybe be okay. Uh, what you're gonna see with this 28 man roster is just a lot of kind of piggybacking of different guys. Like they picked up Daniel Norris, uh, you know, you got, uh, I get maybe Corey. I don't know. Actually, Corey Abbott's in the minors. There, there's going to be Thompson. Guys. Keegan Thompson. Could Keegan get Thompson would some be play. One. Yeah. And you've got the dude that they picked up from the pirates. Well, I forget his name. Uh, Stephen Brault, but Keegan Brault, Thompson yeah. and Stephen Brault are guys that I want to hear about when the Cubs have a double header on the schedule. I don't want to hear about them on opening day. Yeah, <laughs> as we're yeah. talking about who's going to round out the rotation. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they won't pitch opening day because uh, Kyle Hendricks complete game shut out, of course, on opening day. But um, it, no, I've, it, I just think they're going to see a lot of these piggyback where they won't be facing dudes two God. times to the order. Danny, I watch. hope you're right about Hendricks because I he gave up two home runs in the first inning today. That is not mm. the first time he's done that this calendar year. Yeah. It, well, and Mills got lit up too the other day. The final of that score was like 25 to two or something like that. It yeah, terrible. it was 17 to one. I think like, I just look, I know it's spring training. Guys are trying stuff out. The spring training scores don't matter. They're just trying to work through something. I get it. Like I'm not panicking over here or anything, but two of the Cubs top five pitchers are basically going to go into their first start of the regular season, having been lit up yeah, in their definitely. last start. Yeah. 
Well, they, I think they probably get one more start. Oh, you're right. Yeah, there's nine games left. You're right. Yeah, so they probably get at least one more, like a final tune-up. And even the somebody like Kyle Hendricks, I don't know what did, what did, how many innings did he pitch today? Oh, they just had it up on the screen. I think three, three innings, four runs, three innings, two solo home runs. Yeah. So to have only three innings, uh, so he's not even ramped up yet. Maybe he tries to go five next time, but it's, I don't think he'll be capable of going that late in games because it's going to be, they're probably starting too soon. You worry about the injury situation, so they're giving them the 28-man. Unfortunately, we don't have 28 good or 14 good pitchers or 15 good pitchers to even put up there. Um, and if Wade Miley's not able to do too much, then that, that hurts you yeah. big time. I think I'm more just concerned, like, like I said, I know it's spring training. They could just be trying some stuff out. I also know that it's Arizona, not April at Wrigley Field. So the ball yeah. is flying, particularly today. I almost I, I almost tweeted, are these old 2019 balls? Like, are these the Super Balls? Because the balls are really just flying out of Sloan Park today. If you're watching Sunday's game against the Royals, you know exactly what I'm talking about. At the same time, one would hope <laughs> that Kyle Hendricks and Alec Mills can channel that well, we just kind of get guys out professor adjunct professor thing that they had going on for a while, because if they cannot, the Cubs are going to be out of the NL central real fast. Well, I mean, not if the rest of it sucks. <laughs> like, NL Central's bad. Yeah. It's, I mean, it really, it doesn't look good. Um, and you know, the brewers, it, they probably have what it takes. The Cardinals are always hanging around. Um, but you never know what happens with the, um, is that repeatable? What happened with uh, the Brewers pitching last year? I mean, they just keep they just keep figuring it out and ended up at the top of the division. But you, at some point, that's going to run out, right? I don't know. Got Their to- pitchers are pretty good. I really like Corbin Burns, and I really like Brandon Woodruff. Freddie Peralta looked good last year. I actually kind of look at the Brewers as a team that develops good pitching right now as much as that pains me to say, Danny, we have got to end on a note other than me praising yeah, the Brewers. Then, like, yeah, we can't end, the Brewers, we can't end like this. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's it's more about that Craig Council, uh, who knows how to manage the pitching well, too. And uh, I, I think that's what it's been. And it's just – but what I'm saying is, this is a positive thing for Cubs fans, is that I don't think – that it's going to just keep going like this at some point their luck has got to run out and somebody's going to have a bad year and is, you know, arm will be tired or something, you know, I don't know. It's they, they rely too much on the same guys. And then, you know, that, that, that runs out after a while. We saw that happen with uh, Jake Arietta for God's sakes. You just, you know, wear out a guy it doesn't last forever. And so we, I, I wonder if the, it's too bad that the Cubs aren't going for it more because I do think that the Brewers are a beatable team. And I do think that the Cardinals are a beatable team. So I don't see why you wouldn't want to win the central and go to the playoffs, but apparently that's not the goal this year at all. There are beatable teams and we should plan to beat them. That would be quite the plan. Um, The, you know, let's talk about the guys in the rotation who are looking pretty good. You already mentioned Justin Steele. He he's looked great in his start so far this spring. In addition to Justin Seal, Marcus Stroman is going to play so well at Wrigley Field. It's going to be incredible. The K struts he does are great. 
I am digging the way that he just shows up every single day. And frankly, I think I'd rather go to Friday's game to see Strowman's debut than go to opening day, just because opening day, the tickets are going to be a lot pricier and Strowman's debut is going to be must-see TV. Well, I'll tell you this much. Uh, Cubs fans aren't really all that excited because the tickets for opening day, and I looked on StubHub, are not that much uh, considering what you can get in there right now. $24 plus fees. Oh, yeah. Those are almost Brewers prices. Yeah, that's pretty inexpensive where I know that in the last few years, it's been at least more than double that. And the and so, yeah, there's people, there's 3,600 tickets available the weather is always a factor but yeah the next day you can go for eight bucks yeah so you can go to stroman's debut for eight dollars you can get three stroman games for one opening day this is what i'm saying i the only tickets that i have bought so far at the box office i have a friend coming into town for the red sox series and so we're gonna go to one of those and it's july 4th sunday like july 3rd sunday game like you know it's gonna be absurd so i was like all right i will buy these from the box office but everything else i'm just gonna get on StubHub. And I bet I can get into the ballpark for $7. That's my plan. <laughs> so I, I haven't bought any tickets. The only ones I saw that I that I thought I might buy was, was a couple of um, special bobblehead uh, games that you can get. Like a, there's a Day of the Dead one with like a sugar That skull looks really cool. And, I want the sugar skull yeah. bobblehead. <laughs> but you have to buy. I mean. And, I know. You, you have know, to buy the ticket. I've done those before. Yeah. Yeah, so and the Cubs didn't, don't usually do those, but see, they kind of know they're like, oh well, we don't want to just give these away for coming to the game and getting a six dollar ticket on StubHub on the secondary market. They're like, we want to charge. So the cheapest tickets, any the you're basically buying a bobblehead for thirty bucks is what you're doing, and like you know, don't it's I don't know if it's worth it or not, but there's a couple that I thought would be either they're good to get, and then I oftentimes will try to get a couple and um auction them off and then you can raise money for like our friends uh levante and the lost boys and stuff like that you know they have more value as auction items really than well i don't care about them they just they just collect dust but um <laughs> you you know you can sell them like i guess the gary pressy bobble that was going yeah that's ra- a rare one yeah it's yeah it's really rare and it's uh six hundred dollars i think it went for for a a, a Gary Pressy bobblehead. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm going to get that sugar skull bobblehead. I, I did not see that one. I'm definitely going to have to sign up for that. I've done those before the, the last two that I did that were sort of the, you have to buy the right ticket to get the bobblehead. I did the game of Thrones dragon on the marquee bobblehead because look even if i sell my entire bobblehead collection i will always keep the dragon on the marquee bobblehead that's too too good um and then i also did the super darvish bobblehead because frankly i was still sad that you darvish was no longer a cub and i was yeah. like i'm gonna go get myself a you darvish bobblehead to console myself <laughs> well you notice who there's not any bobbleheads of wilson Contreras. <laughs> yeah i there are <laughs> I, I want to say not words we don't use on this podcast talking about that so on <laughs> that note yep. we're we're, we're going to end this edition of cup of cubby blue but danny where can people find your comments on the cubs bobbleheads or lack thereof well we we use a few more choice words on this other show that i do called the sun ranto show but we'll be going uh live wednesday night every wednesday up until the season then uh, we'll go by this the schedule um but uh, Wednesday night at seven o'clock, just on all, all our social media uh, uh, at Sunranto, 
look up Danny Rocket on YouTube or Sunranto Show on YouTube. I, it's on Facebook. I mean, we just we stream all over the place, and it's live, and you can participate with us, and we have a, a lot of fun. This week, uh, uh, we're going to have a car- my Cardinals fan friend, Dennis, going to come on and kind of preview what the Cardinals got going on with their situation, how the Cubs stack up. So that'd be interesting to hear from a real Cardinals fan. So awesome. I will certainly, I will certainly be checking that out. Yeah. Uh, You can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find everything from our podcast, including things we reference at at cup of cubby blue. We have one more show before opening day, and that will be coming at you next Monday. Uh, But until then, Follow us on social for all your Cubs news and notes. And y'all, opening day is like 10 days away. So get ready. It's a coming. Bye. Bye.